Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. So imagine a church that embraces, really embraces loving God and loving people, and then out of the overflow of that, tries to make disciples who do the same. Well, I want to welcome you to week three of This Is My FBC, and we're looking again into our mission and our vision for First Baptist Church. And so far, we have said this, that our mission is simply this, that FBC exists to embrace great commandment love, which fuels great commission living. That's what we're after here at First Baptist. It all begins and it all hangs, as we mentioned last week, on that first part, that everything really hangs upon loving and being loved by God. And this all kind of goes back to a question that was asked of Jesus by a lawyer. And I think he was asking a very sincere and honest question. And this lawyer was a Pharisee. You see, Pharisees were considered religious experts on the law. And the law was considered to be the first five books of the Old Testament. And in Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 and 36, we hear the question. And the Bible says this in Matthew 22, beginning in verse 35. One of them, a lawyer, asked him, meaning Jesus, a question, testing him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, to understand what he was asking, it would help to know that through the years, the rabbis had studied the first five books of the law immensely. And they'd come up with 613 different commandments. 248 of those were positive and 365 were negative. Now you can imagine with so many rules and regulations and commands, the lawyer asked a really good question. Out of the 613 laws, which of them is the greatest? In other words, I would like to know out of all this, what really matters the most. Now I can imagine he's asking the question for many reasons. He just doesn't want an answer. Because the answer to this question then would also reveal the greatest sin. Because if the greatest breaking the greatest commandment results in the greatest sin, then he probably wanted to know how to avoid committing the greatest sin. The answer to his question was really obvious. It was so obvious that after Jesus gave his answer, the Pharisees probably felt a little embarrassed. Because Jesus simply repeats to them what's already written in one of the five books of the law. He just basically tells them this is something that Moses has told you 1,500 years earlier. Because now in Matthew chapter 22, picking up in verse 37 and 38, Jesus says this. And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. Jesus said to these Pharisees who were so legalistic and rule-oriented, he said, it doesn't matter how many of the 613 rules you keep. 
It doesn't matter how many commandments you're trying to keep up with. If you fail to love God with all that you have and put him first in every area of your life, it doesn't really matter what else you do. So we know that the mission and purpose of the Bible itself is to help us to love God and love people. So let's dive this morning into the practicalities of what it really means to love God. Think about it. I mean, this is a command, right? To love God, it's a command. So how do you command anybody to love you? I mean, if you could command people to love you, that'd be a really good deal. I would have probably been the most popular guy in high school. If you could command people to love you, think about this. By God commanding us to love him, we get in on the kind of love he really desires because it's not based on feelings. It's not based on anything other than a pure choice to love God. That's really what love is. It's a choice. It's a commitment to put the needs of somebody else ahead of your own. It's a commitment. It's a willingness to give God all that I am. You see, my love for God is one thing God can't take from me. It's something I have to give. You see, God can, can take my life. He can take my house. He can take my car. He can take my kids. He can take my health. But I have to give him my love. So then what does it mean to love God, to give him love? Do I love God because I feel like I have to, or do I love him because I really want to? You see, do I obey God because I have to, or do I obey God because I love him and I want to? You see, I think Jesus is the greatest model of loving God we've ever had. I think he came here to set an example for us for how to love God and to love people. Also, he did that by showing us that he would love God all the way to a cross and he would love us enough to actually die for us. And so I wanted to flesh out some really practical ways to love God this morning. Based on this text, the scripture says to love God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. So how exactly do we do that? Some of you are going to be blown away by the simplicity of this message. But I realize that we have some people like Micah who are just now getting there. And if we don't go back and address the needs of people who are just young in the faith, we're going to miss what it means to be a good church. Amen. So this might be just real basic review for some of you. You're not my audience this morning. I'm trying to make disciples of the people who are coming to faith in this church, and I want them to know how they can love God. So here's the first thing this morning, man. We can, we can love God by spending time. We love God by spending time. You see, when you love somebody, you want to spend lots of time with them. Do you remember back in your dating relationship where you just couldn't have spent enough time together? That's exactly the way it is with God. Loving God means spending time with him. Did you know that Jesus often got up early in the morning to spend time with his father? Do you know that Jesus often spent an entire night in prayer with his father because he just had to be with his father? For us, in our circles in the church, we often call this a quiet time. We call this our devotions or time alone with God. It doesn't really matter what you call it, just as long as you... Try to do it. So what I want to tell you is practically, can I just, just share this with you? 
you kind of have to play in time with God because it has to be intentional because intimacy is a choice. It never happens by chance. So you have to practically say, when am I going to spend God, time with God today? If you try to fit it in in your schedule and you don't have a planned time, it usually doesn't happen. So get a planned time and get a planned place that you can connect with God and make that your special place. Find a time and find a place, schedule it and plan for it. Put it on your calendar just like you would the next important meeting that you have. It matters. So what do I do in that time? Well, here's the first thing I think that we do is we just simply listen. Just listen. You see, Jesus heard the Father speak to him. Why? Because he wasn't doing the talking. He heard the Father because he just sat in silence and solitude listening to the Father. In this day and age, can I beg you to shut the noise down so that you can hear the Father? Don't take your phone into that time. Don't take your, your music into that time. Sit in solitude and silence so that you could hear the Father. Do like little Samuel did. Hey, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Can you imagine what would happen to you as a parent if your teenage son or teenage daughter came to you and said, hey, mom and dad, I want to schedule about 20 minutes and all I want to do is listen, and I'm going to keep just silent. I just want to hear what your guys' heart is for me. You would flip out. You would say, well, the first thing I want you to listen to is, is we're going to get you drug tested. <laughs> Who stole my son? But if they intentionally sat down and said, I want to hear your heart. I don't want to do anything. I just want to listen to you and say, man, something has happened and they must really want to love and honor us. That's the way we do it with God. He wants to speak and he just wants us to listen. Here's another thing. We just think. You just go into that time of the Lord and you just say thanks to God for what he's done. Jesus, we often hear him saying these words, and I thank you, Father, for. Jesus modeled for us the, the power of thanksgiving. We can spend time thanking our God for what he's done and for what he's doing. It's a good discipline then to keep a journal of all that God is doing in your life to be able to thank him. And there's so many things to thank God for. And in your quiet time and in your time with God, you're listening and then you can thank him. And then thirdly, you man want to just praise him. You see, the difference between praise and thanksgiving is thanksgiving is really giving God thanks for what he's done. Praise is praising him for who he is. Jesus often said this. These words came off of his lips. I praise you, Father. What did he praise him for? That he was long-suffering. That he was very, very, very loving. That he was patient. That he was forgiving that he was kind. We spend time praising God for who he is. He's patient. He's such a good, good father. And then what do we do? Another thing we do in that time is we just simply yield. Jesus modeled this for us in the garden when he said, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. In other words, when I go into my time with the Lord, I just kind of show up with a blank check. 
And I just kind of sign my name at the bottom. And I say, Lord, before you even ask, here it is. My yes is on the table before you ask. God, whatever it is you want to reveal to me as I'm listening, whatever it is, I'll do it. I'm yielded to you. That's the way you love him. Can you imagine, again, if your teenage daughter came into your room and said, hey, I've been keeping track <laughs> of all that you guys have been doing for me since the time I was born. And, I mean, I've got this notebook, and it's like 400 pages, so can we set aside about an hour and a half for me, because I just want to read it, and I just want to thank you for everything that you've ever done. It would blow your mind. Can you imagine how that makes God feel when we just show up and we just thank him? Can you imagine what it would be like if, if, you're, if one of your kids in their 20s in that time, <laughs> and they show up and they say, you know, mom and dad, the, the older I get, the smarter you guys get. And I finally realized, man, you probably have some practical advice you want to give to me. And here's the deal. I just want to, can I just get a few minutes of your time? And I just want to sit down and whatever it is you guys want to speak into my life, I want, you know, I want to do whatever it is you're asking. It'd blow your ever-loving mind. That's the way it is with God. See, that's the way. You would feel loved if that was the genuine intent of your children's heart. And that's the way it is with God. The genuine intent of our heart is to, is to just listen and to just praise him and to just thank him and just yield him. That's how we love our father. But then we also can learn. The scripture tells us that Jesus knew the scriptures. He had studied the Old Testament. He knew what was in the book. That's why I could quote it so often. And we learn the scriptures and we spend time in that just reading the Bible and studying the Bible. And so one of the ways that we love God is to love him with our mind when we just go before him and just try to learn the scriptures. And then lastly, we just simply do the book. <laughs> you just do the book. The scripture says that Jesus said, hey, I have food to eat that you don't know of. And I just go about doing what my father says to do. Jesus did the book. He, he lived out the fruit of the Spirit. He did things such as this. The book says to forgive those who've offended you. And Jesus said on the cross, forgive them for they know not what they do. The Bible tells us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. And what did we see Jesus doing with Judas? The Bible tells us to feed and take care of the poor that are among us. What did we see Jesus going about doing? The Bible tells, says that we're to speak the truth in love. So Jesus spoke the truth to the Pharisees, but he did it in love. We just do the book. That's one of the ways that we love God is simply by spending time. Here's a second way. We can love God by serving with our talents. Serving with our talents. The Bible says to love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Jesus, the Bible tells us, did not come to be served, but to serve. Isn't that interesting? You see, one of the ways that you and I love God is by serving him. Jesus served the Father with all that he had, and I can love God by serving others. But here's the most important thing. Because I love God, I will serve others. He's given me natural talents and natural skills. 
And I should take those and use those for the benefit and glory of God. Aren't you thankful that there's so many women in this church who use their natural talents and skills to love God by building this place that we have here? Isn't that pretty awesome? Let's give them another hand, man. Praise God for y'all. Praise God. But then God also gives us supernatural things called spiritual gifts. And those spiritual gifts are to be used to serve the body of Christ. So we should be using those. And here's a newsflash. Every single person who put their faith in Christ at your salvation, you received a birthday gift. And it's called a supernatural spiritual gift. And when you got it, you're supposed to be using it here at the church. That's why to sit in this church and do nothing is simply not to love God. So you find out what that is. Justin, Pastor Justin is here. Pastor Justin, there's a lot of people who may not know who you are. Just raise your hand for me. This is Pastor Justin. He's our discipleship pastor. He would love to help you figure out what your spiritual gift is. He would love to have that conversation with you. I would too. But I'll shift you to him because I think that's what he's called here to do. Man, he would love to have that No matter how big or how small, when I serve others, it shows God and others that I love God and love them. Amen? This isn't hard, is it? told you this was so simple. Some of you are going to be like, man, I could preach that message. Man, come on. (laughs) I'll sign you up. Hey, you know, another way we can love God is we can love God by sharing our testimony. We can love God by sharing our testimony. The Bible says that Jesus went out preaching the good news. He was loving his father, watch this, by telling others about the father's love for them. Isn't that cool? Rick Warren once said this. He said, friends of God tell their friends about God. I've heard it said this way, that found people find people. That rescued people go rescue people. And think about it like this. Grandparents, which I'm one of them, isn't that good? Isn't grandparenting good, y'all? I mean, hallelujah, man. Whew. It's the price you pay to get through your kids, amen? It's just like, like man, all right. Yeah, it's just the way that is. But, you know, it's like grandparents, listen, you don't tell people about your grandchildren because you have to, <laughs> You tell people about your grandchildren, even if they don't want to hear. (laughs) You just tell them, man, you know what my grandson did. He's awesome, right? You just do it. When we're really being loved by God and loving him, it'll just come out just as natural as being a grandparent. You'll speak about those you love. And when we love God, we share our testimony. Let me just help you with something, because this is a question we often get. Can I just empower you just from a, can I just help you, church? If you know enough of the gospel to be saved, you know enough of the gospel for somebody else to be saved. you know enough of how you got saved, you would know enough how to tell somebody else how to be saved. Let's not complicate this. The place to start, though, is not your testimony. The place to start is on your knees. And you talk to God about people before you go talk to people about God. I'm just trying to tell you, start with loving him. It'll come out of the overflow. But listen, can I just tell you another way that we love God is we can love God by sacrificing our treasure. 
sacrificing our treasure. Did you know that Jesus was rich in all the heavenly blessings that he had, but he came down and became poor for us? Do you know that Jesus was so concerned about giving treasures to the right people that he, he told Peter, hey, go down there and pick out this fish. And inside that fish's mouth, you're going to find this coin. And I want you to take that coin and I want you to render to Caesar what's Caesar's. But then I also want to render to God what's God's. Jesus was all about making sure that he gave because God so loves that he gives. God is a giving God. And I respond to God when I love him, I give. And so loving God frees me to sacrifice my finances for kingdom purposes. That's why I can give my tithe here. I don't give it because I have to. I give it because I can't wait to give 10% of my income to the things of God because I love God. And I give above and beyond that to the special offerings and special things that come up. Why? Because I love God. And when I really love God, I don't have a problem sacrificing my treasure because I really realize that God loved me enough to give it to me in the first place. It's not mine, it's his. And I just give it back to be used for the kingdom because I love God. And then lastly, and very quickly, we can love God by staying together. We love God by staying together. You know, Jesus was together with his 12 disciples for a really long time. He also had a circle of three. And then Jesus also spent time with individuals. But do you know what's interesting? Jesus always went to the synagogue. Can I just challenge you today, man, that if you want to really love God, we've got to stay together. This means that I can love God by being faithful, by being in regular attendance at the church. That I'm also, also in regular attendance in a growth group. Because Jesus was at the synagogue, that means I should be at the church. Because Jesus was with his 12, I should probably be with a group of 12 or so people in a growth group. And then that means I can also be involved and looking to be involved in what we call here D-circles. And that's groups of three women or three, uh, three or four men. And, and I do life with them because that's what Jesus did. Because that's how Jesus modeled loving God and loving people. When we gather together in church and in growth groups, we get to love God. And we also get to love each other. So can I challenge you? Listen to me. And I'm just going to say it because it just needs to be said. Don't pick one or the other in this church. You come to both. Because let me tell you something. You're not loving God if you just hang out in your growth group and you don't come to church. It's not a me issue. And it's not a church issue. It's a loving God issue. You with me? You picking up what I'm putting down? You smelling what I'm stepping in? <laughs> see, the way we love God, you see, Jesus had problems with his disciples. Y'all know that, right? But love says, hey, man, love covers a multitude of sin. Love is the thing that leads the way. Can I just tell you, everything we do here at this church is important. Do you think we just throw things together to waste your time? 
well, let's just do these things called growth groups because we just want to find another way to waste people's time. Is that what we do? Can I just share this with you just for a moment? Those of you listening online, if you can't be here because of COVID, this is not what I'm going after. Not coming to church robs God of love and robs me of your love and the other people in here of your love too. Did you know that we actually want to see you because we love you? So when you don't show up, we can't love you and you can't love us and we're all denied of love. But this one who said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together as such are some in the habit of doing. You know why God says that? Not because it's another rule to keep. Because he knows this is where love is manifested. Not getting involved does the same. Only coming to church robs us of love. Only going to growth group robs us of love. You can study, you can read, you can pray, you can even sing on your own. But something supernatural happens when we do it together, doesn't it? I mean, when we get together, something awesome happens. Amen, brothers and sisters? There's something powerful when the people of God get together. The Bible says God inhabits the praises of his people. Woo, I'm, I'm fixing to get fired up. Listen to me. If I had a barbecue grill, which I do, <laughs> welcome to Texas, baby. <laughs> y'all do some barbecuing down here, let me tell y'all. But if, because I have a barbecue grill, but just imagine, and I have one of these things that's cool. It kind of does gas and has charcoal on the other side. And let's just imagine that I put some charcoal in the side of my grill that does charcoal. And I stacked all those little briquettes of charcoal. I stacked them all up together and make me a nice little tower. And then I light them. And after a while, I spread those bad boys out. And they still all stay in very close proximity together. And after a while, those bad boys are putting off some incredible heat, right? Y'all know the feeling, right? Y'all know what we're talking about. But here's the cool thing. Those briquettes, they need each other to continue to produce the heat. Now, if I were to take just one of those briquettes out or, or two or three of those pieces of charcoal away and separate them from the group, what begins to happen to the two or three of the one? They, they lose their heat. They burn out. And they're no longer useful for the purpose that they were intended to be used for those pieces become very cold and the fire inside of them dies out. And here's the deal. The more those briquettes I take out, the more it affects the fire here. So not only does it affect them, but it affects the whole shebang. And what I am trying to tell you is that we produce more heat when we stay together. We produce more heat. Don't you want the fire of God from heaven to fall down on this place? Wouldn't you love to just show up at church and a Holy Ghost anointing were just to happen and we get sideways with it, right? Some of y'all are so Baptist, you might leave, but I'm telling you, it's all right. Are y'all okay if the Holy Spirit just took over? But I think that's what we all want, but we got to stay together for that to happen, amen? We've got to figure out a way to love each other and put our preferences aside. The kingdom is more important. Hey, Jeremy, would you guys come? Some of you have just had a heart attack. Some of you just looked at your watch. You said the pastor is going to the invitation. It ain't even 1130. I can do this, but don't get used to it. You see, I can love God by spending time 
I can love God by sharing my talents. I can love God by sacrificing my treasure. I can love God by sharing my testimony. And I can love God by staying together. Here's what I believe with all my heart. First Baptist Church will never do anything greater for you, for your kids, or for your grandkids than to do everything we can to help you love Jesus and to be loved by him. I don't think there's anything greater that we can do than that, to teach you how much Jesus loves you and to help you love him. There's not a problem in any church, especially our church, that cannot be solved by having a blazing, burning, passionate love by God, love for God that can be felt by others. So I want to ask you this morning, which area do you think you need to, you need to grow in? What area do you think, man, and my love for God, I could grow in? See, FBC exists, man, to embrace great commandment love. And that love fuels our great commission living. Whatever else this church is known for, I pray that as long as I'm the pastor of this church, that FBC will be known for the way we love God and love people. This is our mission. And next week, we're going to look at yet another aspect of loving God because we have to really love the real God. So who is the real God? But for today, in these moments when we close this time, I just have to ask the question. Today, do you really want to love God? Do you really want to know him? Do you know that he loves you? Micah kind of demonstrated it for this morning, for the Bible says something incredible. It says that God so loved the world. You could put your name in there, and let's just pretend that your name is David. If God so loved David, or maybe your name is Michelle, for God so loved Michelle that he gave his only begotten son, that if David or Michelle would just believe in him, they would not perish, but have everlasting life. What a promise. What a promise. So maybe the first way that you can love God today is simply just to respond to his love for you by sending his son. The first step to loving God starts by responding to his love for you. There may be somebody in the room today who says, hey, you know what, man, people have been speaking this into my life and I don't really know what to do about this. Can you clarify for me, Pastor, what you're talking about? Well, let me just very quickly tell you, kind of here's the deal. God created you and me to live in perfect relationship with him, right? And he wanted to walk and talk with us and to be that way forever. And God set two trees in a garden. He says, hey, of this one tree you can eat, but of this other tree you can't eat because the day you eat of it, you're going to die. And surely Adam and Eve there, they kind of did what God told them not to. They ate of this tree and God kicked them out of the garden because God can't allow sin to be in his presence. He's too holy. And they couldn't get back in. And so they were destined to die. So they began to die physically. That's why we all die physically because the wages of sin is still death. It's death physically, but yet it's also spiritually because we can't get back into the presence of God. But God made a promise in the garden that he says, hey, Eve, through you, through your seed, one will come. 
And this, this, this one is going to do what? It's going to strike him on the hill. He's going to be killed, but he's going to crush this one on the head, meaning that he will get up from the dead and finally kill death, hell, and everything else related to it. And so through the centuries and through the ages, this one was prophesied to come. We kept looking for it. But then on Christmas morning, behold, in the city of David is born for you unto this day, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He's finally come. And he lived a perfect life. And he pleased God the Father until on a good Friday, he goes to a cross and he dies upon the cross. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. And he's buried and he's raised again. And he goes on for 50 and 40 days and then he's ascended into the heaven and surely he says, I go away to prepare a place for you and I'm gonna come again to receive you unto myself. But Jesus said, listen to me, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life and there's no other way to get to the Father but through me. For all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. And God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while you and I were still sinners, Christ died for us, that if we would just confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, we would be saved. Saved from what? From physical death and from spiritual death so that we could be made right with God. And we get to live with God in heaven forever. And we get abundant life with him now. If you want that, I'll be here to receive you. Pastor Justin will be here. A few of my deacons and others will be down here at their front. But today is a really good day to come to Jesus. Amen. Hey, would you pray with me? Father, I ask you now in your holy and precious name to sweep through those that are in this room. God, just by the power of your spirit, would you just speak, go to and fro and call out your own. Speak to those whom you have been working in their hearts. God, bring conviction of sin. God, bring, God, just regarding of righteousness and judgment upon them, God, and bring them home today to Jesus because of your crazy kind of love. Father, would you have your way in this moment because you are a really good, awesome God. We want to love you, Father. We want to love you more and more and more. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, won't you stand with us? You come for whatever reason. Maybe you just want to pray about anything and everything that's going on in your life. Maybe you just need a word of encouragement. Maybe you just need a hug. I don't know. But we'll be here. Let's sing.